Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a great friend and colleague that has been sharing wisdom on fundraising and marketing for nonprofits and ministries. Welcome, Wendell Geist. Thank you. With my group, uh, matchstickmedia.org, I have about 950 people, contacts that are on my list. Um, When I first started with my newsletter a couple of years ago, uh, I did you. I still use Mailchimp just for the ease of it. I'm a small cookie, really small compared to anybody else that's out there with a nonprofit, especially with media training, media speaking, and inspiration. And my open rate for a quarterly or three times a year newsletter is about thirty-seven percent. And Mailchimp will tell me how many people yeah. are looking. Yes. And I have a friend of mine who says, oh, ours is 43. And I thought, well, that sounds about right. You know, people will see in their inbox. It's from my, my friend um, Steve or Tom. And then they'll see Craig's Matchstick Media and either they'll delete it or sometimes they'll hold on to it in their inbox. They don't have time to read it right this moment. On a, uh, I use a lot of times I'll do it on a Thursday morning or Friday morning later in the week when People have usually a little bit more time. And then I'll do a resend about five or six days later to those who never opened it. I'll get another maybe seven or 8%. Are my percentages bad? Are they okay? Are they about average? What do you think? I think they're they're above average. And also you have a pretty personalized list there. I'm sure people know you personally, right? Yeah. Or uh, I'm sure there are some that have that have ten, attended seminars that may not be that that relational, mm-hmm. but but you have you're a known you're a known quantity uh, in your speaking, your teaching, your engagements with people, and so uh, you you start right off the bat with a relationship with your your mailing list. If they see Matchstick Media, or do they also see your name, Craig Forrest, somewhere? Yeah. It, it'll yeah. be in the newsletter. It's an, identi- yeah. it's, an, it's, a, it's an identifying mark, and you are very smart to do a resend. Uh, many people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sending. It, it's just like back to, to mail. Are you going to be in the mail 12 times a year, 24 times a year? Are you trying to get, are you trying to raise funds just twice a year in the mailbox? You're, mm-hmm. you're not even a known entity. There's so much mail in the mailbox, even though that's, that's changing too. But the send resend strategy is very, very good. And, uh, you know, you might even want to ch- uh, change up your subject line of asking the question, did you see this? I mean, you know, they didn't because you're on the resend of they didn't. Sure. Yeah. But uh, sometimes what you can do on the preview line is add some kind of intriguing or, um, you know, it's you're, you're again, just going for your open rates and you have the, you have the possibility. What I'm saying is to use the send resend preview line uh, to get to get a better open rate on the second try. I think you're doing pretty well. And also in that regard, is it possible for you to 
pull out certain people while you're sending. I know you send one one email send one email fits all kind sure. of. Yeah. But on top of that, there is a possibility that certain people you can do a quick follow-up email uh, to 12 people that you need to talk to, want to talk to, want to get their interaction. And I would suggest on the same day, you turn around, send another email and say, oops, I forgot to include this. And interesting. Okay. It might even it might even be the same email, but to those people, you you really want to get them inside that message. I want to talk for a quick second about what's called donor fatigue. And I I know of donor fatigue from a professional point of view and standing when I worked for World Vision and World Vision, not out of sorts to say it was World Vision. I was on staff there. I worked as a documentary filmmaker, big organization, one of the biggest humanitarian groups, child sponsorship. 1985 was the Ethiopian famine which uh, caused the entire world to pay attention to people literally starving to death, uh, lack of food, lack of access to food. And We Are the World and Michael Jackson, Quincy, all those people did the big song and the fundraising. And World Vision had, you know, airplanes flying in supplies and corn and rice and to these remote areas of Ethiopia. Everyone was writing checks like crazy. Millions of more dollars were coming in in 1985 to World Vision than had ever come in before. And they started hiring people left and right to go to Ethiopia, go to or be part of the supply chain to get food uh, and, and supplies, life, life saving supplies, literally. And then in 1986, it all dried up because people felt, givers, donors, that the famine was over with. They didn't hear about it anymore. They had given their one time 200, 100, $300, $125 gift and didn't want to give again to a cause they believed that no longer existed. And all of a sudden, World Vision in the next year, 1986, needed to start trimming staff and started laying off just scores of people and closing down departments because the giving did not remain the same as the year before. And people had what was called, is called donor fatigue. Don't keep coming back to me with an appeal for uh, an emergency. People who give for, and Wendell, you know this far better than I do. People give in an emergency different than they would get, or they'll give one time to help something as opposed to the steady once a month giver like child support, which is what World Vision does the best, or that's their bread and butter. So right. this, talk about donor fatigue. Does it still exist? I imagine it does. Yeah, it does. You have a lot more causes. You have a lot more picking and choosing of what people want to be involved with. Because um, this comes down to, I have money. Number one, do I want to, do I want to give it away to anybody just free, freely of my own free will? It takes the connection. And you're absolutely right. Let's take, let's take a, a hurricane down in the South. You know, several organizations will immediately be Red Cross, for sure. Mm-hmm. And other organizations like it's them. It's they're in, yeah, they're on. Purse, call, yeah. Call a vote. yeah, they're, they're, they're immediately, and they do, and they do a good job, by the way. They're immediately on email. They're on on your television screen they're raising a lot of money 
in a short period of time. But once the flood passed, we all know what the damage is on the coastline, even though it's horrible for days afterwards for people. Um, you, you're not raising more money uh, a month later on that same disaster. And by, by that time, literally in the United States, you could have Tornado Alley going, you could have another hurricane on another coast and the attention of the media and everything has moved on to yet another disaster. So you, if you're in these organizations, you have to strike while the iron's hot. You have to basically learn how to ride the wave of media because they're basically giving you free publicity about they're showing all the photos of the disaster and everything. Now, a lot of people give in those moments, but they're not necessarily donors to the American Red Cross. Um, they, believe, they think it's a great organization, but they're not monthly donors um, because they just choose not to be. They, they, many of these people choose to uh, support something more on a local basis. Hey, I'm helping the Boys and Girls Club every, every month here. I, I, really, I really like what they do. Hey, I'm helping the Alzheimer's outreach because I've got a relative that's facing a difficulty in their life. D donor fatigue, when, you, when I say you go out and, and through uh, acquisition, you get people, there is a corresponding timeline or a bell curve of people's interest in all these organizations. I mean, the absolute rarity would be somebody at 30 years old that has disposable income and starts giving to a nonprofit and is still giving to that nonprofit when they're 65 years old. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. They, they have children, they change jobs, they move localities, something else comes into their life. They start looking at where their, mon their money's going and can they continue to give? And um, so it's fatigue sometimes because they may be feeling like they've done enough and and or they just want to move on to another cause it's it's not like i don't like these people anymore they just have to choose where their discretionary and their charitable uh dollars are going and you try and and, and and i will say this it's less expensive to kind of renew the fire in a donor who is in a lapsed donor than it is to to spend money to go find a new donor but the rate the 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 conversion rate might might be lower you get you're going to have to spend money to to get a new donor to continue to give and stay with the organization because you're proving that their dollars are making a difference a lap don a lapsed donor already knows your organization and sometimes can be renewed because they just got busy with life and forgot to and they weren't on automatic giving or anything like that and you send them a message that they're really that really touches their heart oh you're feeding kids in africa oh you're doing this oh you're helping rescue girls away from traffickers and then just as society changes the moods change and next thing you know they're they're giving again sometimes that comes down to and boy in the digital world it's really true people have short attention spans and i think they've gotten shorter as the digital world has marched on when in my workshops i will tell pastors and leaders if you're going to do any kind of promotional video or even an inspirational video don't make it more than two minutes long because most videos, uh, they will decide the viewer will in the first four seconds that they want to watch it. Now I'm talking about videos, not talking about direct mail per se. They'll decide in the first four seconds that they want to watch it at the 42 second mark. They will decide if they want to keep watching it. So you better, you better grab their attention right at the very beginning. 
And most videos on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be, even TikTok now, but that's a younger crowd, are not watched all the way through. And so at a certain point, they click a button and they go off to some to something else. Maybe we can make the transition to social media and TV. Uh, what are some of the keys to, to using television fundraising and springboard off of that social media to be effective with fundraising? How would you do that? Well, I do work with organizations that have a presence on, on television and one of the, uh, especially in the missions oriented ones, uh, I'm fortunate enough where they they invest in mission trips and their boots on the ground and they're in foreign lands and you see actually what mission workers and people are facing, putting up with, uh, pushing through, or, or you know you're able to share the victories that that are done as well. Uh, villages that have had all the crops wiped out, you, you capture that. You you capture scenes with families and mothers that are distraught because they can't feed their children or anything. And if you, if you show that you you found the way to bring food to that area consistently, and one of the one of the greatest things you can do is show be, before and after results. Um, you can take that and then find these other channels through email. Now, I totally agree with you. If you're going to encapsulate a story and it's been shown on television in a half hour program, uh, there's no way you want to go more than two minutes uh, in an email format and Many times we would only go if it's if it's just to show reality. We would only go a minute because you can you know with Mailchimp and all these others now you can you can see where people are jumping around emails and what they open first and what they watch and where they jump off. So again, when you put all your time and effort into this into this messaging, you need to be going into your uh, results and into your data and see um, where it's it's striking a chord and where you're striking out. Um, in one organization I work with, we we almost completely stopped using stories in the email because they were two to three minutes long. They were fantastically produced, but people would not stick in an email environment for completing the story. Um, and it, you know, there was different things that they got time. They don't have the time to do it. Number two, they're already a, a donor. It's like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're feeding, click, go give, you know, and then they're out. They, they don't want to take the time. So, one of the one of the greatest uh, blessings I've had as a writer for various organizations is I work with organizations that get it done. They do what they say they're going to do, and so if you say, "I'm going to go buy a piece of land and we're we're going to start building an orphanage," you know, in just a few weeks, you see a picture of here's here's a picture of the land that you helped buy. It's all about the donor. It's not about the organization. It's taken me years to stop using we and us and my and things like that. It's all about you made it possible. Your gift today can help do this. And all of the thank you mail and all of the accomplishment is back to a donor's point of view. I wrote you today to thank you because your gift helped establish that piece of land. Here's the next thing we're doing. We're putting in the foundation. You can see the, the equipment digging the, you know, the footings right now. And if you do that, integrity, in a crazy world that we live in, in all of the pomp and circumstance, you know, untruths and whatever, you have integrity in fundraising and do what you say you're going to do. That's a winner. You're a winner. The donor's a winner. The donor recognizes that you're truthful. They're very, very willing to give you the next gift. I'm enjoying 
Hopefully you're enjoying this time and conversation with Wendell Geist. Join us on the next episode. Thanks. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Thank you.